Welcome back to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Thanks for joining us again this week. My name is John Veldheis, senior writer for BadgerBlitz.com. Joined again uh, today with John or by John McNamara, the publisher of BadgerBlitz.com, and Jonathan Mills, staff writer for BadgerBlitz.com. We're coming back. It's Wisconsin's bye week, but we're still doing the podcast because uh, through three weeks of college football, the Badgers have given us plenty to think about and talk about, especially with their big win over BYU from last weekend. So, you know, without further ado, without further ado, I think we should just kind of dive into it. Uh, obviously, the Badgers pulled out a uh, what I thought was a, an impressive road win over BYU. Um, the score, uh, the the margin was bigger than I thought it would be. The Badgers really uh, kind of uh, put their foot on the gas and didn't let go uh, throughout that uh, that first road test. And I, I think BYU is probably not as good as we expected them to be in in the preseason, but still, you know, it's a, it's good for the, the team. I, I would imagine to go out and get a road win uh, against a, an opponent that, uh, you know, is, is known for having a, a quality team and in particular a quality defense. So I guess that's uh, kind of what I took away from Wisconsin's win over BYU. Uh, John McNamara, what did, what did you, uh, what did you take away from watching that game last weekend? Yeah, pretty similar to, to what you noted. I, I think the game kind of lost some of its luster, um, than what we thought it might have at the start of the season. Um, you know, but, you know, to go on the road for the first time and play as well as Wisconsin did, and, you know, obviously Alex Hornerbrook, I think, is the thing that you take away from that game and just how well he played to, uh, you know, complete 17 of – was it 17 of 18 passes for, for well yeah. over 250 yards and four touchdowns was, was awfully impressive. But, you know, <clears throat> going back and watching that game again uh, on the replay – uh, the pass protection was just just exceptional. I thought, um, you know, Hornbrook had plenty of time in the pocket. I don't think he was sacked at all that game, um, and I think that definitely. Yeah, though he had one, I think, where the uh, he just kind of held on to the ball too long, and uh, um, they uh, they got home to him. But uh, I th- at least if I if I'm remembering that correctly, I mean, it's been it's been kind of weird to get out of the schedule with uh, the team being off, and I'm pretty sure he had one, but I didn't I didn't chalk that up to the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. So you know, regardless, I just I thought he was excellent, and um, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of positive you can take away both sides of the ball, and then um, you know, real quick, just just Quintez Cephas too. I thought um, I don't want to call it like a com- coming out party or anything, but you know, he had a, he had a great game, and you know, it led a lot of Wisconsin fans to go back and say, well, is he Wisconsin's number one right receiver now? You know, did did he bump ahead of Jazz PB? I don't think he has. You know, PB played a ton of snaps in that game. Obviously, didn't have as much production as as Cephas, but um, if you get another weapon out there like Cephas and he can continue to uh, be consistent in, in his production, um, that's obviously another good sign for Wisconsin moving forward. Yeah, Jonathan Mills, what do you think? Um, I just want to ask, Can I? is it too early to start the Jonathan Taylor for Heisman predictions? I think it's a little, little bit too early since he hasn't played a Big Ten game yet. I mean, this kid so far has just been incredible. He's already gotten Big Ten Call Offensive Player of the Week, Big Ten Freshman of the Week. He's got 438 rushing yards already this year. And it just seems every play he's breaking tackles, he's reading the field. And this is all from a true freshman. So I am right now officially on the Jonathan Taylor bandwagon. Um, I'm sure there's enough spots for everyone else that – are following the Badgers or are following college football, but he right now is a big reason why the Badgers are doing extremely well. You know, just thinking back to fall camp, 
you know, we, we were just going back and forth and wondering, what was, was it going to be Bradrick Shaw or was it going to be Chris James? It was getting the lion's share of the carries. And you know, he didn't really, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, didn't really factor into that discussion at all until uh, he started to break out into the practices that were close to the media. So just, just something that I thought was interesting uh, in particular about that situation. Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, I remember at the start of camp, you, there was talk of, like, you know, we'd, we'd just love to be able to redshirt this kid because – you know, we have Chris James and we have Bradrick Shaw and then we have Taiwan Deal, who at the time was healthy. And, you know, Ibrahim was your fourth guy and you felt like, you know, geez, we feel really good about those four. Maybe we could redshirt them. Now it's just like, you know, it would have been such a shame to even try to go down that path because he was obviously ready to play from, from day one, you know, in that, in that opener against Utah State. And he's been great uh, since week one. But, you know, it, the only thing, and not to, you know, put a damper on this, but – the fumbling is, is kind of an issue and, you know, you hope that doesn't crop up later in the season, but if there's, if there's any kind of chip in his armor right now, it's that he, he has shown uh, that he's kind of prone to fumbling and, um, you know, he certainly don't want to have that carry on and be an issue for him this season. I think the thing with that is it, that's just something that comes with experience. It, it's, uh, you know, when you, when you are a, a third year you know, player or a fourth year player, you know, it seems like in Wisconsin system by that by that time, you know, you really should have worked out, you know, just how important ball security is and you know, your proper hand placement for for carrying the ball when you get it. Um, and so that that's always the you know concern uh, with younger guys when they're getting in there is you know sure they can make those big plays, but are they gonna you know do they have the proper form? Are they gonna place that you know that. Uh, put ball security and make that a high priority for them. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's just always something that's in the back of your mind when you have a true freshman or, you know, a redshirt freshman or somebody like that, who's just kind of working their way into the offense and getting themselves established. So yeah, I agree. That's, that's definitely something to watch. And I guess we'll see, um, you know, what that looks like from Jonathan Taylor as the rest of the year goes by. Yeah. And there's like, like you said, Mills, I think there's, there's a ton to like, and for him to, you know, step on the scene as a true freshman, um, obviously expectations are certainly very high for him. I think people are are really excited to see what he can do. And, if, you know, a year or two from now, if he's in that Heisman conversation, I certainly think that uh, he, he's capable of, of being in that mix sometime down the road. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even with Jonathan Taylor, or even just a solid running back in general, it opens up so many more doors for Hornibrook to be more comfortable passing and running and just the offensive line plays that they'll run. I mean, it creates a lot of versatility now for the Badgers. And I think moving forward, if again, like you said, Mac, if they can work on the fumbles, if they can work on some of the growing pains of being a freshman. And I think in right now that's the future's looking bright. Yeah. And the, I think from, from what, you know, I, this is what kind of how I saw the season playing out and, um, you know, in terms of teams having to stack the box. Now, listening to that the TV broadcast of that, I, the announcers mentioned a, you know a handful of times that you know BYU is putting eight guys in the box because they had to, and they you know that leads to single coverage. And I think it's a big reason why a guy like Quintet Cephas had a great game on Saturday. So um, you know, if it's not just Jonathan Taylor, if Chris James, and then when Bradrick Shaw's healthy, you know, teams are going to be forced to do that to really sell on the run and and take their chances in the pass game. And you know, if Alex Cornerbrook can make them. Uh, make them pay for that. They're, they're certainly going to be a potent offense. And I think the big difference this year is that the uh, the depth of Wisconsin's 
pass catching group, you know, the wide receivers and tight ends, and you mix in a couple of running backs and fullbacks who can catch some passes out of the backfield. I feel like they're deeper there than they have been more often than not over the last couple of years. Cause obviously you have Cephas, you have Troy Fumagalli who leads them in, in catches and um, receiving yards so far. Then you have Jess Peavy, who's a senior. Danny Davis has been making some plays as a true freshman. Uh, AJ Taylor has kind of expanded his role as a, uh, as a, a sophomore and you know he's been Wisconsin's uh, number three wide receiver with George rushing out for these first couple of weeks or so and then and you kind of go on from down from there they have uh, two other tight ends that they like in uh, Xander Neville and Kyle Peniston all both of whom have catches so far this year and then Chris James has averaged a, uh, a catch per game they have fullbacks that they can trust in that spot and so I think just from having you know the number of options available if you have somebody like Jonathan Taylor who's going to demand that or you know, going to force defenses to account for him, whether it's you know by keying in on him or moving an extra player into the box to try and stop him. When you have that num the, those extra guys that you know, if you put a couple of them out there and have them run some routes, you know, if you if you have somebody, if you have an eighth man in the box and you have a couple of guys running routes out of the you know from uh, the sideline or you know out of the backfield or anything like that, it's going to create some opportunities. And it seems like Hornerbrook in particular has stepped up and. Uh, I feel like he's taken a step forward from where he was last year to where the Badgers can kind of capitalize on all all of those things at once and, uh, you know, really turn this Wisconsin offense into, um, or I guess uh, take it to a level that we've, uh, uh, you know, maybe reminiscent of the, the Paul Christ offenses that we, we got accustomed to seeing during his last stint as Wisconsin's offensive coordinator. You know, I, I say why not? You know, why why couldn't this offense be – be that productive. Um, you know, obviously some of the weapons are different, but you know, if if you get Bradrick Shaw back to full full health, I mean, you have three awfully talented running backs there. Uh, you know, good offensive line, like you mentioned, those those receiving weapons. Um, if Hornerbrook gives you somewhere close to what he gave you Saturday, um, th- there's no reason why you, you you don't think this team can score a bunch of points every time they go out in the field. <clears throat> yeah, and it doesn't have to be perfect with Hornerbrook. I mean, he doesn't have to be you know, 18 of 19, 17 of 18, whatever it was. Um, you know, he doesn't have to be a record-setting quarterback. But, I mean, he just needs to be accurate and, uh, you know, make uh, make smart decisions with the football. Um, and, you know, really – I think if he trusts the scheme and the rest of Wisconsin's offense performs the way that we've seen over the last couple of weeks or so, yeah, I, I agree. I think the, there's a pretty high ceiling for this group. I, I have to – Agree with you on that one. I mean, again, with the offense, the Badgers right now, I, I just want to throw out some quick numbers here. So right now the Badgers are on, a, are on the bye week, and they come up Northwestern next weekend. But uh, right now, total offense, the Badgers are sitting 16th in college football with 511 yards per game. Their passing efficiency is actually number ninth in the nation. They have a 185.82 rating. Their rushing offense is 14th, first downs 10th. So, I mean, going through these, the Wisconsin's done a solid job in passing and rushing, but I think their only problem right now is their red zone scoring. Right now they're only scoring a .813 percentage in the red zone. So, I mean, some big plays are there, but, again, like against we saw FAU when they had that fourth down series, the the, the Florida Atlantic stopped them, and that was one of the big alarming plays that I saw that they fixed against BYU with Jonathan Taylor running it in. But, again, it's just something to consider. 
Yeah, and I guess, I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about the offense, uh, but uh, I don't want to, you know, give the defense the short end of the stick uh, either. But, you know, I thought they did. They had the that first, uh, obviously, the, the BYU's first series, uh, the Badgers ended it pretty quickly when uh, DJ <laughs> Edwards uh, picked off uh, a pass on their second or third play. Uh, but that second series there, it looked like, you know, it took them a little while to uh, to adjust to the BYU offense run. You know, with uh, the um, Tanner Hogue at quarterback, their their backup with or um, or Bo Hogue, excuse me, uh, with uh, Tanner Mangum not playing uh, and with that uh, with that foot injury. But really, after that, uh, where you know BYU kind of marched their way down the field and kicked the field goal. Um, I mean, after that, it was uh, the Badgers pretty much uh, you know turned the lights out on them. And I don't know. I mean, like, I'm guessing. You know, it just took a little while to see what you know BYU could or couldn't do with with Hogue at quarterback, and I think they figured out pretty quick that uh, you know passing the ball was not going to be their first option. Um, and so, if they could you know key in on the run, uh, they would be able to uh, to shut the Cougars down. They really were able to do that. I thought. Yeah, it, it, I think after like you mentioned that second drive, um, that's for Ula Tolatel. Looked pretty impressive, yeah. and I think he must have just been gassed after that because uh, you didn't see much of him he, after yeah. after that series. And you know they talked about it the previous week that you know he was still getting the game shape. So you know you wonder if it would have been a little bit different, you know, had he been you know properly you know conditioned and, and ready to go. But he looked impressive for at least a drive. Um, and I think he probably had some Wisconsin fans thinking like, wow, you know, what if he was in this stable of running backs? But he kind of. Uh, he, he kind of tired out as as that uh, first quarter wore on. So, um, but you know, like you mentioned, I, I think the defense deserves a lot of credit as well. Um, they played extremely well against BYU, but obviously the the offense, you, know, you kind of saw more you know eye popping stuff from the offense, but the defense was extremely solid. Yeah, I think it just comes into that we we just kind of come to expect Wisconsin's defense to look like this over the last couple of years, last couple of coordinators or so, and. I mean, it's obviously a new coordinator this year with Jim Leonard running the show on that side of the ball. But uh, still, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this unit is going to look in the Big Ten uh, play because, you know, they, they still have yet to allow a, a point in the second half, I believe. Um, and I'm sure that you know, it's not a streak that they're going to be able to keep up for, for the rest of the season. But, you know, if they, if they play like what they did against BYU and then for the most part in this non-conference season I think it's uh, you combine that with uh, some good offensive production it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks here absolutely um, you know like you mentioned it's it's not a streak I, I think they can keep up but um, you know at the same time too if we just kind of seen very vanilla stuff from Jim Leonard what more does he have up his sleeve that he's ready to un- unveil during uh, the Big Ten season so um, I, I think there's there's a lot to like from that defense. I think there's more to come. Yeah. So with uh, with BYU kind of uh, wrapped up, obviously the Badgers aren't uh, aren't playing a game this weekend. They have the weekend off. They'll uh, they're back practicing, uh, but only after a uh, a the, the coaching staff headed out on the road to uh, to do some recruiting, um, kind of uh, crisscrossing the the country to go and uh, drop some offers on some uh, on some recruits out there. So, uh, uh, Jonathan McMara, what or what are you the what what did you see from the Wisconsin coaching staff for the last couple of days or so? Who did who did they offer that uh, I don't know that that surprised you or uh, who do you think are their their big targets from the guys that they were talking to? Yeah, they definitely uh, made their next wave of offers um, and taking advantage of the bye week to get out there and see some guys 
uh, to get out there at their schools and extend a handful of new offers. So um, I think, uh, you know, not to say it's the biggest one, but the one that caught my eye was um, Graham Mertz was uh, the first quarterback that they offered. He's a kid from Kansas. Um, and if you take a look at his film for the first three games of his junior season, uh, it's awfully impressive. You can definitely see why Wisconsin, uh, you know, felt pretty good about the offer now. Um, it was just kind of a matter of time before Wisconsin extended that next offer at quarterback because, um, you know, they missed on their top three targets in the 20, <clears throat> in the 2019 class. Um, they've all committed elsewhere. Um, so it was, you know, like I said, just kind of a matter of time before their next top prospect emerged, and um, it, it turned out to be Graham Mertz. Now I got a chance to talk to him, and I think Wisconsin is a pretty big offer for him. Uh, but he's also a, t a guy I think is going to see his uh, recruitment really take off this fall. Um, he's visiting Oklahoma State this weekend. There's a, a handful of other schools who are really seriously interested in him. So I think Wisconsin has a good shot, but I think they'll have a lot of competition. And then actually today, Wisconsin threw out another offer at quarterback uh, to Paul Tyson, a three-star kid from Alabama who uh, has a pretty impressive offer sheet. Um, you know, I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet, but um, it'll be interesting to see if he's a guy that they can get on campus. I know Notre Dame is offered, uh, USC is offered, and uh, a handful of other schools as well. So, um, you know, I, I feel, you know, I like I said, I haven't talked to uh, to Paul Tyson yet, but uh, in comparison to Mertz, I think Mertz is a guy that might be a little bit more realistic at this point. So it'll be interesting what happens. And, um, you know, outside the quarterbacks that I mentioned, um, Rodis Johnson's a kid from – from Ohio, who they offered, and uh, he's listed as an offensive lineman, but they like him at defensive tackle. He seems like a pretty realistic guy that Wisconsin should have a good shot at throughout his recruitment. He's a four-star kid and one of the better players uh, in the Midwest, but I think Wisconsin will have a good shot with him from start to finish. And then, John, you know, a guy that you talked to, uh, Zeke Carell. Uh, he's a lineman from Ohio as well, and um, he spoke very highly of Wisconsin. I just, you know, but you and I were texting after you got off the phone with him, John, and I know that um, we were talking about, you know, he's a, he's a kid from Ohio with an Ohio State offer. So, um, you know, I think Wisconsin's going to have a shot there. But, you know, ultimately kids from Ohio who have a, an offer from the Buckeyes tend to stay inside the state. So, um, like I mentioned, you know, the kind of the next wave of offers, two quarterbacks and a handful of other prospects. And it'll be interesting to see yeah, if they can get certainly. any of these guys on campus this fall. I mean, when I was talking to Zeke last night, uh, the he was certainly very high on on the Badgers, and you know, he he was well aware of Wisconsin's tradition of developing offensive linemen and putting them into the NFL, and you know, being a, a real kind of launching pad for uh, for that position group, especially uh, you know for uh, some you know if you if you're a guy that's coming into the program with a lot of talent already, you know, the Badgers are a developmental program, but it's easier to develop if you've got a good solid base to work from. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're, a, you're an Ohio kid in Ohio state offer. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, like Carell said that uh, the Badgers are going to be in his, in his top group, you know, pretty much. Uh, he said that UW is going to be in his top group the whole way. Um, we will see how that plays out. I, I guess I would be surprised. I, 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 I should have uh, uh, done some preparation for this and looked back to see, how many of the Wisconsin um, signees from Ohio that the Badgers have had had a an, o, an Ohio State offer uh, that was uh, committable, or you know somebody that the, that the Buckeyes also really went after? I mean, it just feels like one of those matchups that the Badgers haven't won a lot when when Ohio State really wants to know. Yeah, I I would venture that number zero. So <laughs> yeah, I would. Well, that's the, the thing I was wondering is 
did did Rob Wheelwright have an Ohio State offer because he was from Columbus? Uh, but he I did not. If he did or not? Okay. No, I, you know he Rob. From what I remember from his recruitment, Wisconsin offered really early in the process, and uh, they okay. they kind of were a front runner from him from the start, and he did not have and, an Ohio State offer. And Michael Dieter was kept pretty quiet. Um, you know, or he kept his recruitment really under wraps, right? Uh, so that the, I don't know that Ohio State even. Uh, um, and really was interested or offered to him. Yeah, you're right, too. He, I remember him kind of surfacing at the spring game a handful of years back. And, um, you know, he, like you said, he was, he was really kind of under the radar. I remember making a profile for him that day. I think he had a handful of offers. But, you know, give credit to Gary Anderson's staff uh, for, for identifying yeah. him. And um, he's certainly been an excellent player for the Badgers. Absolutely. So uh, just to, you know, we're uh, wrapping up the recruiting segment of the podcast and we're going to shift back a little bit to um, the, the football team this year and what's going on with this uh, 2017 season. So obviously, you know, like we mentioned, the Badgers don't have a game this week, uh, but we thought that we should go back and take a look at uh, you know, what, what we've seen from the last couple of weeks. Um, so, John McNamara, Jonathan Mills, uh, why don't you guys give me a couple things that you're – or one or two things that you are concerned about for the Badgers after three games, um, something that you are curious to see, and then something that you are confident will happen for this team over the next uh, nine games for them. Sure. Um, I'm curious to see – I touched on this a little bit. You know, what more does Paul Christ and, and Jim Leonard have to offer up um, I think they've been, a, you know, pretty vanilla for three weeks. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what more they have in the tank there in terms of opening up the playbook. And I just, I just think Jim Leonard has has a lot more, you know, not to say he's he's fallen short. I think he's done an excellent job. I just, I just think he has a lot more up his sleeve and a lot more in that playbook that we'll see in terms of blitz packages and different looks and stuff like that. Um, I'm confident about <laughs> – you know, it's an easy one, but I'm confident about the running game right now, especially with this bye week and potentially getting Bradrick Shaw uh, up to full speed. I, I just think that, the, you know, that three-headed attack with a really good offensive line, uh, if they can stay healthy, should be very good for the for the rest of the way. And then what am I concerned about? You know, it's, it's, tough, to, it's tough to talk about concerns. You know, injuries could be a concern. Like, will that injury bug continue to – to hit Wisconsin or, or will they stay pretty healthy the rest of the way through? But um, you know, maybe getting to the quarterback and providing some pressure off the edge. Now, I think Wisconsin fans have been extremely spoiled for the last couple of years with, with Vince Beagle and TJ Watt out there, you know, guys that were consistently in the backfield. Um, you know, I don't want to knock Leon Jakes or Garrett Dooley, but I think, you know, I'm a little concerned about the lack of pass rush. Um, but, I, you know, at the same time, like I said, maybe it's just because – you know, you got used to watching the teams of the past that really had success of getting in the backfield. So um, if I had to have a concern, potentially the injury bug and in, in putting a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. Um, for me, my three C's, my first one, curious. I'm curious to see how uh, Hornerbrook is going to develop out of the pocket. I know this offseason, um, I remember earlier this year that he was stressing that he was working on kind of maintaining a presence rolling out and kind of being more physical or being patient out of the pocket. So I want to see how he kind of develops from that. I know last year there was a lot of moments where he just looked uncomfortable and wanted to get the ball out of his hands quick. So I think that would be one area that I'm curious to see because he's done 
extremely well, I think, so far, working out of the pocket and rolling off defenders. So I want to see if that accelerates anymore. Uh, confident, again, confident with the running game right now, just like John Mack is. Jonathan Taylor's such a big part of this team as they roll into the conference play. And even with Chris James not doing so hot and the other running backs that are getting time or they're playing on the bench, it's a lot of depth in the position, and I think the Badgers are well-suited for the long haul. And then concern, um, I'm, I'm stressing this again and again. I'm probably sounding like a broken record, but I'm really concerned about Jazz Peavy, about his contribution so far. I mean, he's only got four receptions for 56 yards this year. That's coming off a 600-plus yard season last year. I mean, good thing Quintez Seafest and Troy Fumagalli are – picking up the slack for him right now. I don't know. He just doesn't seem to be getting open uh, PV right now. So if other opponents are going to start looking at game film and noticing that their corner books targeting those two guys, especially maybe PV is going to get some more opportunities to catch the ball, but that's a growing concern I have, especially against some of these big 10 defenses. All right. Well, I'm going to start with uh, confident um, and I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit, but just because my, one of my big, Bold predictions for this season was that Troy Fumagalli would score seven or more touchdowns. So far, he has uh, played three games. He's scored three touchdowns, so he only needs four to uh, get up to that number. So with nine games to go uh, in the regular season, then I think we're at least expecting the Badgers to make a bowl game or and then uh, potentially play in the, uh, the, uh, the conference championship game. So with two more uh, games and a potential 14-game season, uh, I'm feeling pretty confident about that one. Um, and then I, I guess uh, another thing that I'm confident about is um, I feel like the Wisconsin secondary is uh, – they, they had some bumps in the road a little bit, some big plays here and there that they've given up. But I'm pretty confident that they will, you know, as they – move into Big Ten season, I feel like they will capitalize on the potential that we expected out of them in fall camp and then at the start of the season just with you know having um, Derek Tindall and then Nick Nelson making his first um, you know a couple starts here for the Badgers after playing um, for Hawaii earlier in his college career. I think Dante uh, Carrier-Williams has played pretty well as uh, Wisconsin's uh, primary nickelback. He, did, he had his uh, first interception last week against BYU. I feel like he's um, given the Badgers some uh, pretty solid snaps to that position. I feel like the safety positions, uh, Dakota Dixon, I feel like is uh, is playing uh, pretty well, especially in run support, and uh, Natrell Jamerson is, uh, seems to be handling things okay at that free safety spot. So I feel like that's a, a position group that I, uh, I feel pretty good about for the Badgers moving forward. Um, I'm curious to see what the uh, wide receiver rotation will look like if and when the Badgers can get George Rushing back in. Uh, he's been out for a couple of weeks. He missed a good chunk of, of fall camp. So if he gets healthy, uh, I'm curious to see if they, you know, work him back in and, you know, maybe give him some reps as, as uh, you know, a number three, number four guy. But at the same time, you know, the longer that he's out, um, the more comfortable a guy like A.J. Taylor is going to get, you know, playing as Wisconsin slot receiver, their number three receiver. And then with Danny Davis – playing so well in terms of, you know, being a, a potential home run threat uh, and somebody that's, uh, you know, shown that he's ready to contribute as a true freshman. I feel like it's going to be hard for the Badgers to take snaps away from those two guys in particular, let alone Jazz Petey or Quintus Cephas. Uh, so I feel like there's a, there's a chance that that could get mixed up a little bit, but I, at the same time, I don't know 
how you kind of resort that. And I guess uh, in a similar vein, uh, when Bradrick Shaw gets to you know be healthy again in terms of being like an in-season healthy, because I don't I don't know that you're ever fully healthy when you're playing football season. But um, does Jonathan Taylor hang on to this starting job and you know continue to get kind of the lion's share of the carries? Uh, it's certainly not a, a situation you know we were kind of talking about this earlier where. We expected it at the at the beginning, but I, I feel like he's played so well that I don't know that how how you decrease his workload and you know work in Bradrick Shaw more unless Taylor hits a wall or something like that. Uh, that you know I don't know maybe maybe opposing defenses after getting a couple games of tape on him find a way to kind of slow him up a little bit. So I don't know how that's going to shake out, but that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, the concerned uh, John Mack, you kind of uh, touched on that earlier. And so I don't, I don't want to uh, continue to to double down on that too much uh, just because uh, I, I think from when we see Wisconsin's defense, um, get a little more aggressive and show off some new looks. I think that could be something that uh, we see kick up the pass rush a little bit, just because, you know, if they're, if they're playing a little vanilla right now, not showing some of their best looks, and then I think you could really, you know, let uh, Leon Jacobs uh, off the chain, so to speak, and let him kind of get after the, after the, after the quarterback. Cause he had a great fall camp and looked like a, he's going to be a real weapon at, um, at, uh, at, outside linebacker. And I, I think that's still possible, but I, I'm curious to see how that's going to develop uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, I, I think the only other concern yet is that you guys, you know, we're kind of talking about was the, uh, the injuries. I mean, that could, with, with the injuries they've already sustained and the guys that have missed time and all this is you, you don't want to think that that would be the reason or the, the difference between a, like a great season for Wisconsin and just a good one, but they really need to keep their offensive line uh, as healthy as they can, just because, you know, they, we saw what they were going back and forth about what they were going to do. If Bo Benchwall wasn't able to play in this game, uh, they, you know, um, John Dietzen wasn't able to go obviously. So they subbed Michael Kapoy in there at that left guard spot. But uh, I, I really think of the injury situation in particular, the one I'm going to be watching the most uh, closely, the most is the offensive line. Yeah. You know, like we talked about last week of the podcast, um, you know, Ben Schall didn't play, then you go to a, you know, to a walk on like Jason Erdman or you really try to shuffle things up. So, um, you, you'd love John Dietz to be able to get to full strength, but uh, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy during his whole career at Wisconsin. So it's definitely good to have a, a swing guy in the middle like Micah Kapoor. You can play both guard spots, and um, you know they're a great lineup. They can stay healthy, but um, you know if, if Dietz you know continues to uh, to kind of be you know less than full strength the whole rest of the way through, they they can't really take another injury on the on the offensive line. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. Um, but I think that'll. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps things up here for uh, for us on the VegBlitz.com podcast, a special bi week edition. Um, so, uh, John McNamara, Jonathan Mills, thanks again for uh, for joining me here today. Uh, we will uh, check in again next week as the Badgers get ready to uh, open Big Ten play against Northwestern. Uh, where uh, can uh, all of our listeners out there find you guys out on social media? In addition to obviously reading the great. great time- Great content you guys have been putting up on BadgerBlitz.com over the last week, uh, over the last few weeks here. Yes, uh, I'm at McNamara Rivals, and I'm at Real J underscore Mills. 
All right. You can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at John Veldheis. That's J-O-H-N-V-E-L-D-H-U-I-S. Please make sure, in addition, that you uh, subscribe to the podcast if you like it. Uh, make sure that you leave us, leave us a rating and a review. It helps us out, uh, helps people find the podcast if they are uh, out there looking for some uh, talk about Wisconsin football and other Wisconsin sports. So for uh, John McNamara and John Mills, I'm John Veldheis signing off from the MagicBlitz.com podcast for this week. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.